welcome back to another episode of the Rugby League Review. In previous episodes, we've had player guests join us. Our guest this week is a man who takes charge of those players in the field. Three weeks on from taking charge of the Challenge Cup final at Wembley, it's a great pleasure to have Super League referee Liam Moore join us. This episode will be providing a perspective of the game from a referee's point of view. So without delay, any longer, let's get into the podcast. Thank you for joining us, Liam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. When we have players join us, we like to find out their route into the game. So we're going to carry on that tradition with yourself. At what age did you decide to become a rugby league referee? Uh, I was 16, to be honest. Um, 16, just I think I'd just left school. And I was thinking, if I'm honest, that the main, the main reason was to earn a little bit more pocket money, as I'm, as I'm sure it is for many. Many people who are in any circle of refereeing, really. So to earn a little bit of pocket money. And if I'm honest, I kind of just fell into it. I played a little bit at school, um, played a little bit out of my local club and was just a pretty average player, really. I was never going to go any any further than that, than the community game. So uh, I thought I'd give refereeing a go and, and fell honestly just fell fell in love with it almost from, from the first game, really. And from it just being a hobby, turned into a career and so on and so on. But yeah, so it's I've been doing it 10 years now, which it feels feels a lot longer. You mentioned you played the game yourself. At what age did you get start actually like playing? Was it a youngster? Yeah, I was young. I was younger, probably maybe like 11, 12 when I first started. And um, like I said, I played at school all the way through my local, my deanery high school, played all the way through the year groups and stuff. But ju- just never really, probably the commitment of it as well. It's, I think you probably the, the training two, two and three times a week and match day and giving your weekends up and stuff. I, I'm a bit of a lover of all sports, really, to be honest with you, like football, cricket, tennis. I, I'm kind of one of them that I watch everything, so probably um, didn't want to give my weekends up every week, whereas where I got to. You mentioned the word commitment. Am I right in saying at 21 you turned down a career in law to pursue your refereeing career? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'd, uh, I'd just, um, basically I'd just finished uni, so my, my, my almost my career goal was always all the way through was to go on and uh, train, do the LPC, train to be a solicitor. But that cha- it changed really because just as I'd finished my degree, uh, a job came up within the department, within the refereeing department as a full-time ref. And at the time, although I was young, it, they don't come full-time professional jobs don't come up too often. So I was kind of at a bit of a crossroads really, um, and decided to that the you know you can only there's a time span on a referee. Yeah. Um. So I thought well I'll give refereeing a go. Did the um took the full-time position. I was fortunate to get that and um. I never looked back, really. I love, loved every minute of it since. Well, maybe not every minute, but the most, <laughs> most of it. Yeah, and you talked about, obviously, falling into sort of a, a position in, in, you know, rugby league refereeing. But just give us a, an insight into the steps required to, you know, get to the, the level that you're at today. Yeah, well, it, it all starts by ju- just booking on a course and doing doing your local referees course. So, and that's all I did. I just saw there was one advertised. I think I'd seen it. I saw it at a rugby club. Just saw a poster on the wall or literally thought, oh, you know what, I'll give that a go. And just, just like that, really, there was no kind of big, or oh, you should be doing this or, you know, some fast track award that gets bandied about. There's none of that. It was just, just give it a go. And it's the same now. It's the same. You you do your course. The course are advertised the same way. Do the course and and. And, and just progress really. You get that, you go into the community level under maybe start under 11s, under 12s. I, I was in the northwest counties, um, start junior levels, and you would just progress through the age groups really until you get onto the pathway. Um, then it's much more tougher once you get to the academy levels and championship. It's it's a lot tougher to work yourself up them levels. But I was fortunate I did it pretty quickly. 
Um, but yeah, the, the, the pathway is the same for everybody. So I'd encourage anybody to do it. We spoke earlier before recording that I referee football. I referee down at Crew Ike's Academy. What age group did you? What age were you when you started refereeing academies? Uh, I would have been maybe about 19, 18, 19. So I saw that as a good thing in some ways because you could you refereeing people who are your age in some ways. So and, and even in in some examples, you're refereeing people that are older. Um, and, and people have different experiences. But I, I refereed open age really young. I think I was only. I think I was only like just turned 18 when I was refereeing like open age, which open age Northwest counties, you could be like 40, 40 odd year old blokes you're refereeing. So you've, you've kind of got to, um, it, it teaches you a lot of things doing that. And that, that's almost your apprenticeship of refereeing, I, I always find. Um, but really, really enjoyed it. And actually some of the stuff I learned in the community game stood me in good stead for the, some of the stuff that I, I now do in the pro game. Yeah, I was going to ask what, like how much of a step up is it when you get into the pro game? Is it you know, is it a massive, massive commitment? Uh, it, well, it, it's a, it's as much of a commitment as you want to fulfil. I, I always use the expression to to young referees when I speak to them. You you get what you put you get what you put in ultimately. Whether that be being dedicated to tr- making yourself train, you know, can you keep yourself fit? Uh, do you go to training nights? Do you attend like uh, webinar events and stuff like that where we're going through? Uh, coaching clips, etc. You, you, you've got to be as committed as you can be. Um, some people can't do certain nights because of work commitments. That's, you know, that's perfectly acceptable. People have family commitments, and but you can still be really dedicated by just doing one game a weekend if you wanted to. Um, but certainly for me, I, I was at uni when I was kind of progressing. I was at I was at uni in Liverpool. Lived uh, with, with my mates actually, and I was full of five mates. And it's funny the, the story I always tell is that. Um, a lot of them, a lot of them lads, like jobs in Liverpool somewhere, like just cleaning whatever it was, just to earn some money. And and I was going off like refereeing a game on a Sunday just to earn earn the money and stuff like that. So people do it in different ways, you know. But certainly refereeing for me, I, I was committed to it from a young age. Yeah, and obviously in terms of the commitment now, we see obviously players getting ready for the for the we'll say you know the new seasons when they come about, you know, training and stuff. Is is your sort of pathway into a new season similar? And how do you how do you keep fit? You know, as a referee. Yeah, it's a good question. That I, I think um, it, it's similar in terms of the timings. The timings certainly similar. So one thing I try and do after and every season is give myself some time off in terms of you just for let to let your body recover. I think you forget almost, especially with these midweek games and everything at the moment is. You put you put your body through a lot of a lot of running, a lot of miles over the course of a season. So it's important you have that recovery. Uh, I usually start really kind of in terms of training hard back in November. I give myself all of November off. The start of December, back end of November, I'll get into doing some runnings, only some light runnings, and 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 build build back up really. Um, and then but then we as a full time group are back in in December to start our pre season. And then obviously you go off and you enjoy Christmas, but knowing that you're still training um, and back in January, really. And then that you're on, you start into your friendly matches and yeah, your fitness testing and, and everything, really. So it, certainly at a professional level, you, you've got you've got to keep yourself physically fit because I'm I'm sure you've you've spoke to some of the players and some of the training they do to keep in keep in shape is immense, really. So we've we've got to be equal to that. You mentioned the quick, the short turnaround in this week and also the weeks previously. Can you ex- go 
describe your preparation for the game in such a short turnaround? Yeah, so our week entails really is kind of recently has been tailored around uh, fixtures. So we've been in the we've been training together as a full time group today, um, but we won't be able to tomorrow because of fixtures etc. for the weekend. So that makes it difficult. But as a, as a rough guide, really, we train Monday Tuesday together as a full time group. Do a do a group review um, on on a Monday afternoon in terms of looking at um, clips etc. Looking at themes from the weekend maybe where we can improve as a group or some of the stuff we've done really well and um, we train on the outfield we do a short short session field session usually as well as a gym session and then into you very much get your appointments then you're, you're into your next game with what's going on at the moment you're almost on a on a roller coaster and you're you're into your next game so you're already previewing the game you're doing this week so for example say it's the whole and it's not but say it's the whole derby that I was refereeing on on yeah. Thursday or Friday, you, you previews designed really from the week into doing your game, do your preview of your coach, and then into the into the weekend, so you, your team's prepared and ready to go. Um, so it, it is different at the moment. There's not there's not denying it's different, but the preparations, I suppose, is is the same really. When do you? I know players have their strict diet requirements that they eat. Do you have one like the day before or the night before your game? Yeah, I, I do. I won't say it's a strict kind of. I, I, I'm just a kind of a um, not. I felt like I have a, a routine. Some people I know are different. I know some people have no routine whatsoever. I just personally, I, I always like a good night's sleep is one. So I, I sometimes have like eight hour, eight nine hours sleep mm-hmm. um, before a game, just so I just feel refreshed. The night before a game, I will try and stay away from heavy stuff, and um, just because just so you can digest, you just wake up feeling fresher. Uh, the day of the game, um, it sounds like really boring this, but I'll always have a bowl of shreddies to work to wake up. I was going to ask you superstition. I was going to ask him. Um, yeah, really like boring. I know, but like, I'll always have a bowl of shreddies. Yeah. Um, a cup of tea. I, I'm like as English as it comes, really, in terms of that. Uh, loads of fruit. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 but I love fruit anyway. So loads of fruit. And one thing I do is just make sure I, I'm I'm setting off in plenty of time, even if it's the like getting there ridiculously early. Because they always have a big kind of fear, really missing the game when you're stuck in traffic on the M62. Yeah, I know you've uh, taken charge of the last two Challenge Cup finals, but that wasn't—they've not been the first time you refereed at Wembley. I know you took charge of a uh, schoolboys curtain raiser eight years ago. As a child back then, refereeing, but prior to the cup final, it must have been a dream to fulfil that refereeing the last two finals at Wembley. Yeah, it was massive to be honest. It, um... The the boys final like in 2013 was was huge at the time because it when you're coming through as a you know relatively somebody who's only doing it a couple of years really at that point it's to to almost referee at Wembley it, from a starting point it, it was just unbelievable so to to kind of get that early I think that probably gave me the it, probably the motivation I suppose to think I remember walking up coming away from that final watching the Challenge Cup final. Obviously, after I'd ref the game, thinking mm-hmm. I, I want to referee that game next. Yeah. Um, now it was it was seven years later that I I got to do and I, I'd done a couple of finals on the line and stuff like on the touchline and but refereeing almost is a is a different step in itself. So thankfully, I got I got back there to ref it seven years later. But it certainly I use that as a motivation going forward and ma- fantastic experience, especially so young. Mm-hmm. At the age you mentioned back in 2013. Was that the first game you really had a, a fans watch you, or did you have quite a few before that? 
Yeah, I suppose to that to that volume. Yeah, um, there's certainly you, you go to some of the local derbies in the Wigan area where I live, mm-hmm. and um, that that's that usually gets some some great crowds on some around the pitch. But in a big stadium like that, yeah, certainly because uh, the thing about the schools game, which has been unlucky, it's not been able to go for a couple of years because of COVID. Yeah. You can feel the atmosphere starting to build yeah. from kickoff. It's pretty pretty because they kick off the game pretty early. It's pretty quiet, but. As the game starts to go on, you can feel the atmosphere and people, more people getting in the ground. So it was a great taste of that, really, in terms of, I mean, you can't really compare it to a Challenge Cup final and the pressures of that. But it certainly, uh, it was it was, it was was great as a youngster kind of get, get in there. Because not many people get to referee at Wembley, so yeah. you've got to remember that as well. Staying the, on the topic of fans, we mentioned you've done the last two Cup finals, one with and one without fans. What was it like refereeing in front of an empty... Wembley Stadium must have been a, a surreal, really a weird experience, really. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it's hard to compare, really, because it's like I said, I've done Challenge Cup finals where there've been big crowds in the years before, so it was a really surreal atmosphere. Um, it almost felt a little bit eerie, really, of because it's such a big stadium as well. Um, so you, you can hear every word the players say. You can hear the benches. You can you can hear everything in, in an empty stadium that's so big as Wembley, but it. Yeah, it was it, it was a great appointment in in 2020 to get obviously like being the, the youngest one as well and, mm-hmm. and my first cup final was an unbelievable appointment you know but it, it did feel like it was missing missing something everything about it, it was a great game it was a great final um both teams played played well um the game had gone well from my perspective close game drop goal wins it late on it yep. it had all the drama the, the thing it was missing was the crowd so um to get to do it this year with a with a good crowd there and my family and stuff like that get to watch it. It was, it was almost just kind of tick that box really for me. Yeah, and obviously sticking on them lines in terms of more generally, obviously because of COVID, would you agree that the life of a referee was made more easier, um, you know, with no fans in attendance? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure really because if I'm honest, I, I really like the crowd in. As much as that might sound to fans, you think, well, it's easier. But I'm not sure it was really because actually on some games, the crowd helped you because there's an atmosphere in the ground and mm-hmm. the players react to it. And and it, it just feels like a rugby league match. I refereed on Thursday at Hull and it just it worked. That's, I think that's the first game I've done where there's been allowed the full crowd in, in the stadium where there's no limits. And you could feel the crowd just go up with the team and it made it a great atmosphere. And I'm... I, it helped the game. I think probably one of the one of the faults of COVID when there was no fans in the crowd, um, games could become very flat, especially if it was one sided, mm-hmm. um, which makes it difficult in some ways for a referee. So when you when you've got a one sided game, there's no atmosphere, a team is struggling. So one thing that crowd does do it, it I think it, it makes the games it makes the games better for us as well. Everybody wants games with crowds. Yeah, and obviously just a, a final one on on fans, you know, n- nobody really comes to a rugby game to, to watch the referee. You know, they, they're there to watch either one or, or two teams, you know. Um, so, obviously, how do you deal with the, the stick that you get, basically, both in the grounds and, you know, sadly, away from the pitch as well? Yeah, I think I've improved with experience, really. It's, it's almost be, um, you, you know, as a referee, you, you, you're not going to be popular. Um, I just came to accept that really over the since I started that you, you, you're always going to upset somebody because there's always going to be a team that loses that are always going to think that 
it was your fault or it, you know you wasn't good. Um, so you, you've just got to accept it. In, in terms of the, I think rugby league's pretty good over the over can, certainly comparing to other sports. I think rugby league's generally pretty good. There's always there's always people who, who take it too far. We've had examples of that, and you know some of it is is pretty vile. Uh, certainly on social media, that type of thing. Some of the examples I've seen with that is, uh, for me, that is too far. Yeah. Um, in terms of in a game, a fans calling forward or you know giving giving you maybe giving you some stick in the game, I, I've not really got a problem with that. Uh, but for me, it, there's a there's a there's a line somewhere in 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 the grass of what's what is kind of just being part of a bit of banter and mm-hmm. but and then at the next level, what is actual abuse and. I think sometimes it does cross the line, but generally I would say most rugby league fans are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Something you have that other sports like football don't is the uh, option of being mic'd up. What is that experience like? Is it, does it change your game at all or is it just something that just gets used to? Uh, I think it's something I'm used to because I've never known a support, apart from obviously community game, I've never I've never been in Super League or on a, on a high-profile game, etc., without having a comm system. So mm-hmm. it's I know other sports obviously were them, but it's not broadcast, etc. I think mm-hmm. I think there's some advantages for us, and I think there's some disadvantages. I think uh, one of the advantages for us is that obviously the commentary team, uh, fans at home, spectators yeah. can hear exactly what we're saying to the players, so they can they can hear the messages that we're giving them, and it helps them understand the game. Um, some disadvantages are you have to be very careful about what you say. Uh, you, you can't be as loose about what what maybe what you're saying to players. Are, are like you you have got to be pretty pretty textbook in, in what you say because it, it obviously everything's being broadcast. So I'm very conscious of that. I I, I think it's a good thing in many ways. I, I honestly think it's a I see it as an advantage rather than a uh, rather than a disadvantage. Yeah, and on the whole, you know, would you say that? Comparing it to other sports, referees in rugby league, on the pitch especially, probably get a little bit more respect because of that. You know, we see in football, for instance, quite a lot that the players will go and give the referee stick and and maybe get away with it. Where in rugby league, you know, if they if they if they speak ill of the referee, then you know you're entitled to send them to the sim bin. Yeah, I think there's there's always been that um, certainly for us. I think there's certainly a respect there between. Uh, officials and, and and players that's not to say we don't get uh the odd person stepping out of line but as you said we, the luxury i suppose we've got is um we can put players in the sim bin we can advance the the mark for descent etc we, we, we have plenty of of tools where we can we, we can we, we're encouraged by the department to be strong on on that kind of thing because ultimately what we see is if you if you're not strong within the pro professional game and the, the elite competitions that can quickly uh, find its way down to the community game and it because it, it just encourages it so yeah I, I think we're pretty pretty good in terms of that of being and, and the players that I, I would say on on the whole are really good with us Ben's a Lee fan he's not mentioned yet he likes to keep it quiet now quiet. yeah he has <laughs> um, he was at the game against Wigan at the weekend obviously there was the big fight is there certain things you get told as like that scenario, or is there certain scenarios like are more hard to uh, handle? Uh, I'd say that's um, we don't often. Mm. Uh, some people would would disagree in that because uh, I know a lot of people like the biff, don't they? They like the fighting, etc. Mm. But we don't really see that very often in Super League now, where we see 
players getting sent off and, and, and brawls, so to speak, of players running in. It's, it's very rare that in Super League. So, if I'm honest, it was kind of a bit when I watched it. It was, you know, it was a bit out of the out of the blue a little bit. Um, but we're given guidance and certainly more from when we were younger and how now you deal with brawls and where you stand and how you speak to players and 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 that kind of thing. So you're well trained on it. It's it, but it's, it you don't really see it very often now. I suppose speaking to some of the older refs, it, they go like uh, 20 years ago and even longer back than that. That was a regular occurrence within. Yeah. We've been rugby league, so thankfully, you know, we've got away from that. But yeah, you, you kind of taught the, you know, to deal with it. Um, and, and I've had them examples that have happened in my games in, in the past. But uh, hopefully, we don't get too many more of them this this season. <laughs> have you had to deal with anything like that at a younger age? I know I've had to deal with a, a couple. Yeah, oh, there's certainly in the community game when I was younger. There was, there was examples where I can think of where there's been all in all in brawls and and everybody. Uh, everybody going for it and you you don't really know where to start really because you could send everybody off um so i think we've all we've probably all had them games but that like i said that that's the experience that that stands you instead for when incidents like that do happen because you you've had it before you've dealt with it before and you know how to deal with it so um it's all about that experience yeah and you've talked a lot you know so far on the you know super league goalies community game how much rugby do you you know away from what you're involved in, how much rugby do you get to see nowadays? You know, are you a person that wants to see as many games as possible? You're a person that wants to, you know, sort of avoid the game when you're not involved. Or uh, I, I don't watch it religiously, if I'm honest. Um, I, I, I watch I watch rugby, and I'll certainly watch the, the games. I certainly choose to watch, etc. But I'm not kind of one of them people that if it's on, I have to watch it. Um, you know, I, I do other things. Like I said, I'm, I'm an all-round sport, really. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I watch football. Sometimes I watch cricket. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of watch anything sports-wise. So, um, certainly if it's the night before my game, and obviously we're working super, don't we? Thursday and Friday night games on Sky. If I'm refing the Friday night, sometimes I won't watch the Thursday just because you're fresh going to your game and you, you, you almost as as low it's like you, you love and you love rugby league. It's your job as well. Yeah. So you, you can almost. I think sometimes just just watch too much rugby, so I've always been conscious of that. Uh, but certainly the big games and the majority of games, I, I will try and watch. But I certainly not religiously watching Sky or BBC. You mentioned football there, Liam. We have to, we have to ask who who's your team? Who's my team? Probably yeah. Wigan Athletic. Oh, Ben's Bolton. Uh, oh well, we're doing all right this year actually. I reckon. So <laughs> you've been involved in the game yourself for a while now. Uh, and now your brother is coming into the game. Seeing him referee his first Super League game uh, a couple of weeks ago, that must have been a proud moment for you and, and the family. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I've seen him. Um, he had a different route to me. Obviously, he was an, he was a, an ex-player, played obviously at Salford and um, North Wales Crusaders, etc. So he had a, a very different route into officiating than me. But um, he, he loves it equally. He's, you know, obviously finished playing a couple of years ago and went into. To referee and really to focus on that and he loves it so for him to to, to watch him kind of referees for super league game was um was was it's a great buzz for me as well to, to watch him do it because because ultimately he's your brother but i was i was more proud for him that he kind of got to where he wanted to be um you know and and in a few years time i'm sure that he'll be he'll be knocking on the door for finals as well yeah and obviously were you with your brother playing were you ever allowed to referee game that he was involved in 
how does that sort of work in terms of, you know, are there any games that or teams that you're not allowed to referee? No, no, I, I never, uh, I never ref Darren. Certainly not uh, professionally. I, I did occasionally for the odd school game if he was playing for his school team, but obviously the, 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 that was only kind of almost friendlies. But in the professional game, I didn't. I think we'd have ended up scrapping um, if I'd have refed him in, in in a pro game and stuff like that. So no, I didn't ref him at that level. In terms of refing teams, there's no. I know in other sports you can't ref your hometown or you can't ref whoever you know rivalries etc. There there isn't that in rugby league really. It's it's just based on performance. We're all professionals, so you're based on very much on your on your performances. I'm gonna. I've got a couple of quick fire questions. We're gonna fire at you now, Liam. Uh, only short answers really. Nothing yeah. nothing too juicy for you. Uh, first one is most enjoyable stadium you refereed at. Uh, Headingley, great atmosphere, yep. especially in the new stands, etc. Great ground. Yeah, I was there on Sunday. It was a great atmosphere at Warrington. Uh, the most enjoyable game you refereed that is not a final. Oh, um, oh, that's a good question, actually. I refereed um, Hull against Saints earlier this season in the semi-final. Yeah. I just thought it was a baking up day at least, but sports village yeah. actually. And, and it was a baking hot day, and it was a, it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. But there's it, some in the community level as well, actually, that, that stand out as being like I always thought, because um, they were local to me, St. Pat's and St. Jude's derbies were always always like fierce. I, I refereed a few of them on Friday nights under the lights and stuff. I, I always I always really enjoyed them games. Are you a referee who enjoys uh, a game that's got a bit of bite to it rather than like you mentioned earlier, the games that can be a lot a bit one sided. Yeah, I prefer the again. I prefer closer games that are, you know the ultimately your decisions they matter in every game. But certainly when you when you're refereeing two teams that are going for the win and and it's a tight contest, they're the they're the games you want to ref. That that them are the reason you do it really. In those kind of games, does it make your decisions sharper? Like you have to be on it because it's such a close game. I think so. I think probably unconsciously, you you, yeah. you know you you know that it's probably I suppose that's a pressure element as well. Isn't it? You know every decision is a is a big decision. Um, so you, I think just mentally you, you maybe are a little bit more switched on. Mm-hmm. Next one, Wembley or Old Trafford? Um, You've done one. I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to say Old Trafford. Yeah. But only because, uh, and I think it depends on different eras of refereeing. I always kind of grew up of the grand final, grand final era, so to speak, of that that great St. Helens team, the Jamie Lyon, the great Leeds team. You know of that of that that era kind of coming through watching them, and I always thought the grand final was the the kind of the one. But Wembley Wembley is special. It's just a special event. The Challenge Cup final's got the history and everything behind it. So I can't really split them. But if you was certainly because I've, I've not done one, I'd probably say the Old Trafford. Yeah, is that got to be the goal in the in the coming years to, to referee the Old Trafford? Yeah, the grand finals. The I suppose the end of the season. The 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 best two teams from the. From starting potentially a game if, uh, season in February, so um, you know it's it's a, it's just a massive game, the grand final. So to to get the grand finals, the the, the next step, whenever that may be. Yeah, and is that the only thing now that you want to achieve before you sort of start being a referee, or is there is there anything else? I'm hoping I've got a few years left. Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> still being pretty young, starting pretty young. I'm hoping I've still got uh, a few years yeah. left in me. But um, in terms of the, the grand final, obviously, there's, there's internationals. Obviously, we don't know what's happening yet with the World Cup this year or 
whether that be next year or whatever it may be, the international rugby league still, I still think it's honestly the pinnacle, the, the Australia, England, New Zealand stuff in particular. I just think that's the, if you can get to that level, it's almost a step up again. So yeah, domestically, the cup final and the grand final, and but probably um, if you can get involved with the internationals as well, that's that would be another honour. And just to, to finish, you know, once you do manage to hang up your boots, obviously in a, a few years' time, let's say, um, you know, what are your plans after that? Is it, Do you have anything in mind? Uh, I think I, my plan is to go back into law at some point. So um, obviously I've got my legal career and so my, my plan would be when I do when I do finish, whenever that may be, is to um, is to probably go back down to the legal route. Mm-hmm. And which referee out of all are you are you closest to? Uh, there's probably a few. We're, we're at a pretty close group. I'd say Ben Fairler, uh, because Ben obviously uh, managed me as a as a, as the head of the academy refs and stuff and brought me through the system. Um, close to Robert Hicks and Chris Kendall as well, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we're a pretty pretty close group. Robert Robert's good. Robert's good fun, and Chris as well. Chris is a great ref. So there's uh, there's plenty there's plenty of good competition within our group and the but the, the good blokes as well. And who's the better ref, you or your brother? Uh, I'd say me at the minute, but yeah. if you if you ask me, you might have to ask me again in a few yeah. years' time. I'll let you decide actually, because you've seen us both. So yeah, I'll give you the casting <laughs> vote. I think are you good, Ben? I think that's everything for me. Yeah, that's everything. That's perfect. Thank you, Liam. Spot on. No, we really enjoyed it. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Liam. Thanks for your time, mate. Super League referee there, Liam Moore, joining us on the podcast. Now, me and Ben will we'll discuss this week's fixtures. At the moment, it looks like we've got a full schedule of Super League fixtures for the first time in a while. Uh, up first on Friday night, we have Leeds, Cass and Wigan and Salford. We'll start at Wigan at Salford because you're covering that game for us at Prost. Ben, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, my thoughts are that it's two still depleted sides. I think obviously Wigan is still missing some key figures in terms of, you know, the, the main one for me being Zach Hardacre. I think, you know, when he returns at, at fullback, I think Wigan will be back to the best. And yeah, OK, maybe they, they beat Lee 50 points to six. You know, I was there to to see that sadly but you know let's be honest it's not a, a great you know shake or whatever you want to call it for for whitewashing young league because everyone seems to do it so I think it'll be good to see if the Warriors can can do it again against you know an improved opposition we'll say in Salford albeit one that has 11 players missed and I think Richard Marshall said today I think you know across Super you know we're seeing that Covid is taking a hit again and, and you know it's taking control and it's not great to see but I just hope that, you know, especially not just for this game, but on the whole, that it doesn't start having uh, such an impact that we see more and more games being called off again because that's not what we want to see. And if you're going to put a prediction on that one, who are you going for? Yeah, I'll go Wigan. I think Wigan will win quite comfortably, um, given that, you know, Salford have so many players out. Mm-hmm. And staying on the Friday night game, we've got Leeds and Castle next. You were at the Menderhoes Jungle last night to see Castleford lose to Huddersfield I, I saw Lee, uh, Leeds myself on Sunday against Warrington in, as he got beat 27-26 for me for that one Cass are just a side who are looking really for the end of the season now for me uh, Leeds though they won't look against Warrington not to win that game really they had the game six points ahead they more had it in the bag I know Warrington had a man sent off uh, in the Simbin sorry uh, for me Leeds it looks like a Leeds win do you agree? 
Yeah, comfortably. I think, you know, Cass, like you said, are, are searching for the end of the season. Now, I think, again, we've seen them depleted and they were missing 15 players last night. I think they, I think it was two or three loan players that they got in on like, emergency loan deals. It's it's madness, really. But, um, yeah, Leeds are in top form. I think, obviously, the, the loss to Warrington aside, you can't really fault them recently. So, yeah, I'm going to go Leeds comfortably. The next one and the biggest of the weekend is St. Helens versus the Catalan Dragons. Half two kickoff on Saturday afternoon. If there's anyone who's not done anything that afternoon, that's the game to watch, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah, huge. It's absolutely huge. I think, you know, if Catalan can come away with a win there, for me, I think that's the league leader shield wrapped up because I just don't see anyone else challenging them. I think. You know, I've said a lot about Catalan in, in recent weeks on here that they've not been at the best, but they've still been, you know, getting the wins out. I think back to back wins over Leeds, you know, back to back wins over Hull KR. And, you know, we had Luke out at, at um, Hull KR watching them last night. Um, and again, a win by 23 points to 16. They just, they know when to dig in and how to get the win. And for me, they are the strongest side in Super League this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I, I, I did watch the Saints game last night as they played Hull. Um, obviously, they put 40 on FC. FC, second half, at the start of the second half, they got themselves back into the game, but they conceded some soft tries uh, towards the back end. Jack Wellsby, a game with a hat trick, he's, he's some player. And uh, I know in his press conference uh, afterwards, Wolf said he'll, he'll be starting at full back next season. Obviously, could go into Hull KR. For me, it's going to be a tight. Uh, affair. Uh, Saints have got a very good defence. On the day, Catalan also can defend. I know Catalan got the win over in Perpion, but it wasn't by many. Uh, and it's it's a very hard one to call this one. Who would you go for for the win? Oh, I, I think you're right in the fact that it'll be a, a tight affair. I don't think we'll see many points on the board because I think the defences will come out on top. You know, that's more or less why the two teams are up where they are. I think. Oh, you're asking me for a prediction. I'm going to give you one. Um, I am going to go Catalans. I'm going to go Catalans by four. Oh, I'll go for mine. In previous seasons, I'd have backed Saints comfortably just because of that Catalan record they had over here. They, obviously, they win over in Perpignan and they would yeah. lose over here. But this season, they haven't lost over here. And that it does come into factor, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go, I think Saints will win by four. So we'll see at the end on, after the game on Saturday who's who's right in that one. Moving on to Sunday's games, three games Sunday we've got Huddersfield, Wakefield, Warrington take on Hull FC, and Lee take on Hull KR. We'll start off with your side, Lee. Who I know you'll be there against Hull KR. Are you, is this is this the, is this the week, Ben? Is this the week to get the first win, or can you not see it? No, I can't see it, and obviously never say never, but I don't see where we win now at all till the end of the season. I think, you know, it, it was always going to be tough coming up. We, we touched on it every single week when, when we discussed Lee, but, you know, especially where we haven't played, really. We played against Wigan um, Sunday, and then before that, it was the 1st of July, so it was literally a month apart from games. But every game that we play now, it seems that we, you know, we step out onto the field and, we, we might be lucky to have a, a 10, 15-minute spell, but the rest of the game, it's just all one-way traffic. And for me, you know, I think we can score points where we want to, but it's really our defence that lacks. And I think Hawkeye can take advantage of that, really. I think, you know, they've shown 
two strong performances against Catalans, albeit not getting the wins. But, you know, yeah, I think they'll be too strong for us. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. Okay, are effectively the surprise packages this season. They were favourites to go down. But yeah, I, I can't see anything else but hooker our victory. It'd be probably a shock to yourself if Lee come away with a victory. Moving on to the next one, we've got Yorkshire Derby at the John Smith Stadium as Huddersfield, who you watched last night, take on Wakefield. Uh, yeah, Huddersfield win for me. I think um, having watched them last night and having watched them against Hull FC, I think it was on, on Sky a couple of weeks ago, I think that they're, they're getting better and, and growing, shall we say, growing into next season. I think it, they've... The, the start to the season meant that anything now is too late to mount a playoff push or you know anything of that nature. But it's like I said, it's all about building towards next season. I think it's all about them having homegrown talent in the team, young players in the team. Will Price, Ollie Russell, you know. I think, yeah, I think they will beat Wakefield quite comfortably. Um, and the own one because if I'm right, I think Wakefield trounced them at their place. So yeah, I am going to go Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. And the final game, which I'll be at. On Sunday, three got kickoff. It's Warrington take on Hull FC. Warrington, Leeds, and Wigan. They've beaten last week. Hull FC. They're missing Jake Connor and they're missing him big time. His his flair in attack is what they're missing. It puts a lot of pressure on Mark Sneed. For me, I see a Warrington win. And I see a Warrington win comfortably. Do you agree? Yeah. Again, I think the tale sort of writes itself with everything that you've just said there. I think you know, for Hull FC. Can they go and do it? You know, they definitely could, but it's unlikely. And I think, you know, you don't get as many shocks in rugby league as you may do with other sports. Yeah, I think it's just going to be comfortable, routine. Mm-hmm. And just want to speak about one game last weekend that I covered on Sunday was the Featherstone versus Toulouse game. Toulouse, it was the battle of the unbeaten sides. Toulouse came out on top with a, a comfortable victory, really. Former St. Tom Peru got two. I just want to speak about the news that came out a day before that um, of potential of two sides going up to Super League next season. What's your thoughts on that? If if that happens, I think, you know, we've seen Toulouse and Featherstone and they are a class above the, the rest of the championship. I think Toulouse are definitely prepared to come up. I think I'll be surprised if they lose a game this season. Um, you know, I think if they were going to lose, it was going to be at Featherstone. Um, and they, they've shown great determination to come through. I wouldn't be, um, I don't know what the right word is, I wouldn't be disappointed to see Featherstone come up either. I think, you know, they're, they're a good club. I think they've done very well this season. Um, but if they were to be successful in, in Super League, then I think improvement is still going to be needed because, you know, as we've seen this year and in years previous with teams coming up, um, you know, there's a, there's a huge gap between the Championship and Super League in terms of not just everything you can imagine. You know, most teams in the Championship aren't professional. You know, you won't see one team in Super League that aren't professional now because of everything that has to go into it. So, yeah, I think if the, if the, if the two teams do come up, you know, best of luck to them. I hope they fare better than, than we have in Lee. Um, and I think I, I want to just make one point and, and discuss it with you before we wrap up. In terms of, I've heard rumours of, you know, oh, relegation might be scrapped this year from Super League, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I sit here even, even as a Lee fan, and I don't agree with that because I think you're denying people and other teams the opportunity to come up then. It's not fair. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you, to be honest, Ben. I know 
as much as you'd lovely to be in Super League next season, the, the lacking in the squad, and I know that was probably a, a factor of them coming up last minute and not having as much money as the other clubs. Um, but Featherstone have been in a season prior to the COVID, both those and them and Toulouse have, have, have been up there and they deserve a shot if, in my eyes, to be honest, to come up. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you on that one. To finish off with, I'm going to throw a couple of the championship fixtures at you this weekend. One word answer, who's going to win for me? First off, we've got Batley Bulldogs taking on Featherstone Rovers. Fev. Halifax versus Newcastle. Halifax. London v Toulouse. Toulouse. York and Widnes. Widnes. I always back Widnes. I've got to back them. <laughs> okay, and that's it for the end of the episode. Thanks for watching another episode of the Rugby Review. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with another player guest. Thank you.